OSU Beavers and Lynn Benton Roadrunners, welcome back to the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we discuss relevant topics to help you follow Jesus through your college years and beyond. Your hosts today are Anna, Nathan, and Christian, and today we're going to chat about the riveting topic of Sabbath. So a Sabbath is actually an ancient tradition that dates back to the beginning of biblical history. And with a common theme of rest coming up a lot recently in our community, we thought Sabbath or the idea of Sabbaths would be helpful to talk about as we continue on in this adventure of walking daily through life with Jesus. So, Nathan and Christian, let's dive in. Uh, Our first question we have today is, what is Sabbath? Let's unpack that a bit. Um, So, Sabbath... So Sabbath was like first established in like Genesis one, where God creates um, creation. He he you know sets uh, the greater and lesser light in the sky. He separates the lands. He creates oceans. He creates life on earth. And on the very last day, the seventh day, it says that God rested. Um, and there's a lot to unpack with that, um, but. Uh, a lot to unpack from that but one outcome of that day of rest that the god that god took uh is that he made a law that the jewish people were meant to follow which is to have a day of sabbath a day of rest and so one day a week um on saturday traditionally the jewish people would uh, rest on that day so they wouldn't work so they wouldn't go out to the fields and things like that Uh, an example of like how seriously God took the day of Sabbath for man was um, in the in the wilderness after the Jews left Egypt and were wandering in the wilderness um, God sent manna and quail from heaven to feed the Jewish people because they were kind of grumbly and they're like, we want food. Anyway, uh, and God specifically says on Friday, the day before Sabbath, you are to gather a double portion for, um, for the Sabbath day for you to eat on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And what was unique about manna what the manna was that it would spoil usually after a day. So there's also an interesting uh, case in the Bible where people were gathering more than a day's worth. So God was sending manna every day to feed them per day. And then the manna that they gathered the previous day would go bad. Mm-hmm. And so God, uh, through his power and his graciousness and his kindness, provided them manna for the sabbath day that they didn't have to collect so he commanded them to gather extra manna and he would preserve that manna through an extra day Mm -hmm. um the jewish people the orthodox jewish people still um observe sabbath it's got a lot of laws right now it's actually really interesting i once heard that um you if you're in israel and it's the sabbath day you cannot push a button on an elevator. Whoa. So, yeah. so like, if you get into an elevator, it will literally just stop at every floor on the Sabbath day for people to get on and off. Yeah. What? Because it's considered work. Because it's considered work. To initiate electricity. Like, mm-hmm. It's, like, akin to lighting 
uh, too many candles or mm-hmm. creating a fire mm-hmm. or something. So um, yeah. they, I, like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, mock the Sabbath and how Jewish people practice the Sabbath. It's just really culturally interesting. Like, they, they actually will tear their toilet paper before the Sabbath day mm-hmm. so that they have toilet, because tearing toilet paper is considered work. Or they turn off the lights to the mm. refrigerator. So they can open up their refrigerator and get food, but they cannot open up the refrigerator and turn on a light. Mm-hmm. So they disable the light for the mm-hmm. Sabbath day. and then So that's, that's kind of the modern practice of Sabbath in the Jewish community. But it is something that even God, Jesus like talks about in, in the New Testament. So he says, you know, he doesn't ever um, put down the Sabbath, but he reframes Sabbath. He says that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In the New Testament, there was all these laws and structures and stuff like that. Like, you weren't allowed to uh, glean in a field on your on the Sabbath day. And the disciples were caught gleaning because they were hungry and they needed food. Um, and the Pharisees or scribes, I don't know who it was, but they basically were like, hey, uh, how come your disciples are breaking the law? And he's like, hey, Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And who of you, he even makes the accusation, who of you would not go and save your oxen from a well on the Sabbath day? Also, a very interesting thing about Sabbath is that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. So in Mark 1, he heals uh, Peter's mother from an illness on the Sabbath day. It doesn't say that it's it doesn't use the word specifically Sabbath, but it is the Sabbath day. Um, and it's interesting. It's like, oh, wait, wouldn't that be considered work to perform a miracle? And it was considered work to perform a miracle on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus is saying, no, I'm God. And my my mission is to restore people. Like, why would I not save people on the sab- Sabbath as well? Like. The, it introduces this idea that God doesn't need to rest. He can rest, though. He does rest. Um, and that kind of gets into the whole, what does the Genesis 1 usage of God resting in in, um, uh, in Genesis 1? What does that mean? Um, one thing I think I read a while ago is that to rest is to actually abide in. So when God finished creating creation... He rested, he abided in the creation, in the work that he made. Mm-hmm. So there's this, le- this like, he ceases working, but he doesn't. And so now he, I think, I think of it in the sense of, I enjoy now what I've made. I like live in the fruit of my labor mm-hmm. and I can enjoy it. So that's, that's what I got on what Sabbath is. You know, it's interesting, you know, you talked about that that part where Jesus' disciples were out um, collecting grain. And that story, and it's called, like, the Lord of the Sabbath story. It's not like a story Jesus tells, but mm-hmm. um, but this this idea that Jesus, he, he talks, he says, like, you know, his disciples are out having grain and harvesting grain. And one thing that's important about that story to highlight is that it is in all three of the synoptic gospels. So that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Which, in essence, if there's a if there's a story that's in all three, 
it almost is akin to saying, like, whenever you tell about Jesus, you need to tell this story. Mm. Because Sabbath was such a big deal in the Jewish culture at the time, and there's this, this all this stuff about it. And then Jesus, really, the Sabbath is kind of takes a, a front role in the New Testament as like the battleground between the Pharisees and Jesus. And so understanding what the Sabbath is and its purpose um, turns out to be a really monumental idea for understanding the whole New Testament um, narrative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as Nathan was saying, you know, you were saying that, you know, um, talking about modern um, Orthodox Jewish practices about, you know, making sure the light in the refrigerator is turned off or making sure the elevator is set to just always go on every floor. Um, you know, the, the Jewish people over what's called um, the intertestamental period. Um, so kind of explain what the intertestamental period is. Um, so Mal- the book of Malachi was written about 400 years. It's the last Old Testament book. It was written about 400 years before the birth of Jesus, about 400 years before John the Baptist. Um, and so, so what had happened up to that point was that, you know, the Jewish people had built a, a temple, they had a kingdom, and then because of their wickedness and for not honoring God, and it actually even says for not taking Sabbath years, for not obeying certain aspects of the Sabbath laws, they actually were sent into exile. And and then they rebuilt the temple. Um, but then later they would be um, invaded by Greece and and taken over and go under strict persecution. And all and that invasion of Greece happened after the book of Malachi. So you have four hundred years of silence that the Bible doesn't really talk about where God isn't seeming to speak to Israel the way that he did speak before. And in these 400 years, this belief had come up where if I don't follow the Sabbath or if I don't live a hyper, like a life that's like so close to the walk Mm -hmm. with God, that God will judge us with the destruction of our people or with exile. And so all of a sudden, particularly the obedience of the Sabbath became about, um, not just preserving your own personal holiness, but also preserving the holiness of the country and of a people. And so there's this huge community thing, like we need to have God be with us. And if we're faithful enough, God will send his Messiah to rescue us. And so here you have the actual Messiah coming and saying, you guys have made the Sabbath into something. It's not, the Sabbath is not a test, um, but it is this this opportunity for rest, and it's an opportunity for you to um, you know rest from your from your work. It's a gift that God gives people, but now you are making it like another job, mm-hmm. essentially. And that's that's what he ends up um, ends up confronting. Mm-hmm. I know um, the one of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so I think um, I love what Christian and Nathan are saying about um, kind of coloring in that idea of what does it mean to keep the Sabbath day holy? Um, and holy means set apart, right? Yeah, that's right. correct. You're right. So, so it's a day that's set apart for rest. And so what Nathan was saying, you know, Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. It means that God created that day and set it apart from the beginning of time for 
his creation to rest. Um, and when I, when I think about rest, I was talking about this a little bit with Hosanna yesterday, but this idea of what, what does rest look like? And one of the things that God did on his day of rest is he just enjoyed how good the creation was that he made. And um, he just probably, probably just sat back and was checking it out like, hey, this is, this is really great, but just really enjoyed what was around him and, and chose to be grateful for, or he was grateful for what, what he had made and what, what had happened. Um, I remember reading the Laura Ingalls Wilder series as a kid, <laughs> and I think it's in the first one, Little House in the Big Woods. Um, on Sabbaths, they would literally not do anything. And at the time, Laura, this is like, I don't know what time period, like early or mid 1800s, probably. I don't remember, but basically they live in this cabin in the woods and they like raise animals and they're working super hard all the time because they're basically kind of like um, hunter gatherers and like garden, they garden and they basically create all of their food, all of their medicines and um, harvesting from the land. But on the Sabbath day, they would go to church and um, they all she could do, she was about seven years old at the time, all she could was supposed to do was sit there in a chair all day, which right. sounds horrible as a kid. Doesn't yeah. that sound awful? Oh, man, that's horrible <laughs> she wasn't even today. allowed to play. Yeah. And so I think as a kid, that's what I thought Sabbath meant mm. for a while. And I didn't even ask my parents about it because I was afraid of having to do that. Um, but I was curious why, when we practiced Sabbath, it was like going on a hike or hanging out with some friends. Um, so I think that really takes us into the question of like, and I'm kind of adding this on, but what, what is rest? Like if this day is set aside for it, what do we do on that day? What is, what, what, what does rest look like? I think um, one thing, so the Haven, when, uh, before we ever came down here, the Haven was originally called the Pillar. And I was asking the Lord, I was like, hey, Lord, like, what do you want the Haven to be? Um, and I felt like the Lord, uh, I felt like the Lord, and I don't think this is unbiblical, but I think the Lord said, like, hey, I want the Haven, I want the Pillar to be a place of rest. Um and so one of the reasons that we changed the name to pillar to from the pillar is to the haven is because haven is like a, is a word that kind of communicates rest communicates a place of safety and things like that and i think that's a really key component to understanding like rest it's like an understanding of one's safety it's a place of safety mm-hmm. it's a state of safety um and i think about like one thing I've told many of the guys in the Haven, I, I don't know if I tell the guys during orientation day, but I tell them rest is often a relational thing, actually. I know that from my own experience, like most of the anxiety and fear I have is is of other people. 
like what is another person going to do to me a lot of like the turmoil and things like that that we have in our society right now uh, today is like oh is there going to be World War 3 and that's a question of is someone else on the other side of the world going to be hostile towards me and that's a lot of fear and so one of the things that, so one of the things that we try to do in the haven is to create a place of rest and part of that is by having good healthy relationships with people in the house mm. and so one of the things like i think most of the guys in the haven i live in the haven and i manage the haven and i'm the landlord and i'm a pastor but most of the guys in the haven are not afraid of me they're like, no, Nathan is like, yeah, he's a pastor. Yeah, he's a landlord, but he's really fun. He's really relaxed. He doesn't like go around telling me what to do all the time. And it's because I'm like, no, I, I want the Haven to be a place of rest. But in order for, but one of the things I would say is that the Haven isn't always restful for me because people aren't always doing what I've asked them to do very clearly. Mm-hmm. So when you know a guy's not doing his chores going to chore group or something like that it's like well no now you've made a task for me in this mm-hmm. house and i have to do something that's very difficult and maybe the lack of cleaning negates the rest like mm-hmm. it makes it so rest can't as yeah and it's like i mean that's why we do clean is it actually creates a more restful space i mean that's even like scientifically shown i think is like actually having a clean space creates like less mental clutter and things like that and so I think rest is part, my point with all of this is is that rest is a very relational idea, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I think rest is actually, I think, you know, when I think of people who do Sabbath or have days of rest, there's oftentimes a lot of time of communicating with the Lord, praying to the Lord, considering the Lord, which is a relational thing. It's a way of trust developing trust in the lord Mm -hmm. which is ultimately like what was happening with the israelites in the wilderness was like god was trying to teach them to trust god that he was going to take care of them so he only allowed the manna to last for a day but then on the sabbath day something miraculous happened and the manna lasted for longer Mm -hmm. and it's like oh wait no i can trust god i can trust in his provision Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel safe the fact that I can trust. So. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think about this word of rest, I mean, I really appreciate what Nathan's saying about, you know, um, trust and relationship. Um, And I also think I always it's helpful for me to think like what isn't rest or what's wrong with not taking the Sabbath. Um, And we see some of that happening in the, the Bible. So for instance, one of the very first people that ever broke the law in the Old Testament was a guy who broke the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, now ancient Israelites, they thought of the Sabbath day, the day always started in the evening. So Friday night to Saturday, like sundown on Friday night to sun up on, or sundown again on Saturday. So it was like 24 hours from sundown to sundown, dusk to dusk. And so um, there was one one guy who they weren't supposed to like as Nathan said they weren't supposed to collect manna or quail or anything like that but then they also weren't supposed to do other things like gather sticks for their fire and there's a guy out there on the Sabbath day who goes out and collects sticks for the fire 
and they end up um, condemning him. They, they find him, and then they have a trial. They find him guilty, and they ask the Lord like what they should do, and they actually condemn him to death, wow. which sounds like, whoa, that is so harsh. All he was doing was collecting some sticks and stuff like that. And it is, it's like a modern sensibility that's very harsh, but I, I want you to think about like the context of the whole of what's going on is, is God has just walked people out of Egypt. He's delivered them from slavery. He's provided a way out for them. He's provided, he's like present with them in a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And he said, I want you to rest and I want you to trust that I'm going to take care of you. Mm. And instead of trusting that God will take care of this guy thinks, I don't know if I'm going to have fire to feed my family. I don't know if I'm going to be warm after the Sabbath is over. I I just don't know if that's going to happen. So I've got to go out and I don't know if I have enough firewood or I don't have firewood. What am I going to do? Like, and instead of trusting in the God who has shown himself abundantly faithful, he's went out and worked on his own. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are like, I can't take a time off of work. I can't take time to myself. I, I got to keep doing my homework. I can't take time off because they don't actually trust that God would be able to provide for them. Mm-hmm. They don't believe that like the amount of time God has allotted for them to work is enough. Um, I remember a guy named um, Ung Ha Jin. He's a he was a Korean um, international student. He's a really good friend of mine, and he came out at Skagit Valley College, and um, he was at Skagit Valley College, like starting all over on college. And I would talk to him about like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going into business, but I'm you know I'm working on my English, and then I'm gonna go to business. And he's doing really well right now. But it was his second degree in 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 South Korea. Did I say North Korea? I meant no, South said, Korea. Okay, good. Yeah, Korea. I don't know anybody from North Korea. Korea. <laughs> okay, from from South Korea. So in um, South Korea, he um, he in, it's very vigorous and it's really hard to get into higher education. And his dad wasn't a Christian, and his mom was a Christian, and he was a Christian, and he was studying to get into school, and he really wanted to go to this top law school, like think like Princeton Law School or something like that but of South Korea, okay? So he wanted to get into the most prestigious, most hardest place to get into. Most hardest. Most yeah. difficult. Most difficult. The, the or hardest. Very hard place to go. So the most hard, harder difficultest place. Keep so, um, but then he, um, so then he, so he's getting, so in South Korean culture, like people go to school for, 10 to 12 hours a day, then they have personal lessons and a sport, and then they usually have tutoring at night. Like, to be a high school student is just, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of Mm -hmm. work. It's very expensive for parents. And um, he had a tutor that was helping him, and he knew the goal. The tutor knew the goal. He said, hey, if he really wants to do this, he can't have a day off. He needs to study every day. Oh, no. And Wung my friend, he said, he said to his tutor, and he said to his dad, I'm a Christian, and I need to believe that God is with me. And his dad says, okay, we can try this. Um, and I tell you what, if you get in, I'll go to church. 
you mm. get into this degree, I'll go to church. Mm. And he works. He studied insanely hard for six days. But on the seventh day, instead of working, instead of studying, he decided to trust the Lord. And he got in to the most prestigious law school there was. And to the other, to his tutor's surprise, his dad's surprise, and his dad ends up going to church and his dad ends up becoming a Christian because Wung Ha showed how he trusted the Lord and how mm-hmm. God is able to provide. And ironically enough, he got his degree and all he had to do was pass this like law exam. And all he, he had to do, and yeah, he was like way better than a lot of the other people amazing. in his um, in his community, in, uh, like that he graduated with. And he took that exam ten times, and he couldn't pass. Over like three years, he couldn't pass, and so he just took it as a sign from the Lord that he wasn't supposed to be a lawyer, and that's why he was back in America studying business. Wow! So he really wanted to get this law degree and stuff, and he got it and stuff, but. Ultimately, that wasn't what the Lord had for him, and it and it really was like, what is happening? And so he's just tr- he's been on this journey of trusting the Lord, and the Lord through this law degree has like brought his father to know Jesus and helped him grow in his trust. But he doesn't know what's going on. But the main point of that whole story being like obeying God and having trust in Him is is a key part of the Sabbath. Another key part is justice. So actually, in Exodus twenty. I just I'll just read this a little bit. It says, um, talking about the Sabbath day, it says, On it you shall do no you shall do you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughters, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. And so the point being that it's not actually just a gift for you. It's like if you're a businessman, it's not like I get to take the day off and I'm going to make my slaves work. Hmm. It's actually also about justice and saying like every person deserves rest. And I need to make a lot an allotment for them to rest. Even even my animals, I need to give them a break. Maybe even a sense of creation. Creation needs a break. Like hmm. you know, they have these Sabbath years in in the in the Pentateuch, the first 5 books of the Bible where it talks about giving your land a rest year every seven Mm -hmm. years. So this idea that like the world wasn't made to be hyper efficient. Hmm. Like we really value efficiency, but that isn't exact. Like God is efficient for sure, but he isn't hyper efficient. And actually we need to learn that efficiency is not the most important thing that it's not about squeezing every drop out of everything because, um, if, you know, there's lots of things that need water, you know, and, and all the water isn't just meant to be used by us, you know. So it's like this sense of we're supposed to have this liberality of life within us and, and give space to creation to flourish. And so um, and give, you know, not sucking all the time out of the people that work for us, um, but giving them the ability to rest. And so those are just two two aspects of things that I see about, like, what is real rest? You know, it's about about justice there's a sense of justice to it there's a sense of like real trust of god so i I think one thing oh go ahead Uh, i was just going to say just really quick comment on what christian was saying too i think um in the cultural context of what was going on like in the culture of the old testament it was highly collectivistic so there is a lot of um considering the other 
as important or as more important. And so I think in our, if I can say this, like a hyper-individualistic culture here in the States um, or in a lot of westernized countries, um, a Sabbath is a lot of like, oh, this is for me, this is for my rest, this is for my well-being. But when we rest, it actually affects more people than just mm-hmm. ourselves. Because mm-hmm. if I think about like, if I don't take a rest day, I'm going to be super grumpy. And you don't want to see grumpy on it. It's real bad. So, um, and there's a lot of other negative things like, oh, lack of sleep. Like, my mental health is going to go down. But that affects the people around me. It affects mm-hmm. my ability to do what God has called me to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's um, a chain reaction that happens when we rest. And it's, um, there's just, it's, it's really powerful. That's mm-hmm. all I was going to say. Something I wanted to comment on about your friend from South Korea, Christian, is like what I appreciate about that is like I'm a Christian and I'm going to trust the Lord first. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get into law school, the Lord is still on my side. Like, I think one thing we we put Sabbath isn't like, well, I'll rest if, like, this happens, like, if this is fine. Like, that was the dad's thinking, the non-Christian dad's thinking. Yeah. It's like, if this works, that's fine. Whereas Christian's friend is like, even if it doesn't work, I trust the Lord. Yeah. Mm. Work in the way that I think it should work. Yeah. And ultimately, I think God is, like, more excited about it, the Father's salvation than... His friend becoming a, then him becoming a lawyer. He's like, well, what? clearly, <laughs> <laughs> then him becoming a lawyer, and it's like, yeah. and that's not a statement of whether or not God loves that person. No, mm. yeah. it's like no. You can be a lot of other things. I have tons of great plans for you. I have tons of great ideas. You think this is a good plan, and it's got some merits, maybe, but it's not the plan. It's not what's good. Mm-hmm. And, like, ultimately, Christian's friend is like, well, no, I trust the Lord first, even if things don't go the way I anticipate them going. And I would also say, Anna has a really good point. Like, we pick up, we learn from other people. And what I think Anna is, what Anna is saying is, like, if I'm anxious and frustrated and stuff like that, other people are going to learn to be anxious and frustrated. Mm. Or they're going to learn that they're, like, that their value is equal to being frustrated at or angry toward. So one of my favorite, I have this, I had this picture on my desktop for a while, and it's a picture of Mother Teresa smiling at this little child in her hands. And I, like, think about that paint that picture and it's like communicates to me like she's telling this child like you are worth smiling at Mm -hmm. and that shapes that child's identity and it also tells that child i i should smile Mm -hmm. It it does and so like the haven it's like if all of my guys in the haven if all of us are resting well when people come into the haven they're going to feel rested mm. because that's the atmosphere that's the tone of it so in contrast if everyone's frantic mm-hmm. 
you know, I can't tell you how many families when I, I, I can't tell you how many people you talk to and you say, Hey, how are you doing? And they're like, Oh, I'm good. I mean, I'm busy. And they, what they mean by that is a couple of things is one, yeah, I'm doing really well, but they don't want to seem like they're not meaningful. And for us in America, we like put busyness and meaning together. True. And it's like crazy that we don't feel like we could rest. Like we think us resting means we're lazy. And there are other cultures that are way worse at it than we are, that other cultures that think like, oh, mm-hmm. resting is really lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're up there in terms of like, like, oh, we gotta, we gotta push ourselves. We gotta push ourselves. And, and so, you know, I think, I think thinking about it, I think it reshapes like what we think is like the good life or the right way to live. And that productivity is, and, and success and achievement they are parts of what God has called us to do, but ultimately God has actually called us to a deeper thing, um, a life of rest, of meaning, of, uh, and actually it's like within that meaningful rest of that relational time we have with the Lord, we have with others, that's actually where we're going to find true meaning and true relationship, not in the things that we do or accomplish. Um, I think too, like, I think the question was on, it was like, what is like real rest right and so I think too like real rest is like real Sabbath is is not it it's not the lack of like activity like it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it doesn't mean that you're doing nothing or you have to sit in a chair or you have to lie down all day like that that it's about having a worshipful life to the Lord during your time of rest. And, um, and I do think there are certain, there are certain activities that I think most people should just avoid generally for the Sabbath. Um, you know, like, I mean, clearly like if you're, if you're make money doing something, you probably, that's just a statement of trust that you should let the Lord, Mm. let the Lord, Mm. like you shouldn't work as a statement of trust to the Lord that he's going to make everything okay. Um, there's some exceptions to that, like like cows are going to die if you don't milk them. You know what I mean? Like, So there are some things where you're just going to have to do some things in certain jobs just to make sure you know, a person doesn't mm-hmm. die, an animal doesn't die. If you're a policeman or a firefighter, you know, and you're walking by and somebody's having a heart attack, you're like, sorry, it's my day off. You know, that's like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, but... But generally, you know, we need to trust the Lord that things are going to be okay. And, um, but then I would also say, like, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we then contextualize and say, okay, well, the Sabbath should be what I want to do. And so I remember as a, as a young person right out of college, I, 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 did, I binged, like, Lost, the show, the TV show Lost, for, like, Same. four hours yep. on my day off. Yep. And you, you get done with that, and you don't feel any better. You mm-hmm. feel more tired. Um, I know people, I feel the same way when I've played, like, so many video games in a, way, in a row. I don't feel better. And I think, honestly, I mean... I think there's like, you know, watching a sh- watching one movie on your Sabbath or an hour of video games, that's not going to kill you. But I can guarantee you, if you like got rid of all your screen time on your Sabbath day and you got used to that, 
that would be really refreshing for you. Mm-hmm. That takes discipline. It take, like a good Sabbath yeah. takes discipline. Yeah. It takes discipline. Yeah. And I think it takes, I think by turning off your screen, it like, I think, I think there are distractions in life mm-hmm. and things that want to keep you busy. And, and mm-hmm. real rest is about like being able to walk away from distractions, walk away from the busyness and to recalibrate on what's important. And sometimes that can mean like an activity like Ramona would love to garden on her day off, like on the day that, you know, we're all home. It's just really restful for her. It's something that she's like making some, doing something meaningful. It's at a pace that she likes. Like she's not an industrial farmer or anything. You know what I mean? She's Mm -hmm. just like out there doing something she enjoys. She feels close to the Lord when she does it. That's just really exciting. You know, people like to play music. You know what I mean? Like is that as an activity, but it also something that can be like worshipful to the Lord. It's mm-hmm. a, something that you connect with people for. So it's not a lack of activity, but it's a stepping away mm-hmm. from busyness and distraction and, and, and stepping into meaning relationship or, or a constructive solitude with the Lord. Um, it, it's those kinds of things and not just like, you know, busying myself with, with things that might not be good for me, but I like. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that comes to mind about Sabbath is I think it's very similar to a fast and mm-hmm. that it's like a fast from work. And one thing I think about when I think about fasting is like when you, if you fast, one thing you'll notice, uh, like fast from food, let's say, um, one thing you'll notice is you'll notice your impulse to go eat. Mm-hmm. Like you, there is like a, there's a habit, there's a, this habit that you've developed to like, oh, I'm going to go eat. Interestingly, if you were to t- take the Sabbath seriously, you might notice that your mind very quickly is like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to do that. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. And it's actually like, actually, you're supposed to manage that impulse because it's telling you what to do. And is it what it's is that voice, that internal impulse, what is in fact supposed to tell you what to do? Is that impulse supposed to be the one that has authority in your life? Uh, I think of like people with a, uh, people who are very um, tightly connected to screens and stuff like that. There is a habit. There's a, even sometimes addictive behavior with like screen time, and like they just. They just do it. They just do it. It's like, well, notice you have this impulse. You're so obedient to the impulse, you don't even realize you have the impulse. Mm-hmm. And um, in having taken a number of breaks from like technology um, and screen time, I've done that a few times in my life. It's like there's a lot that happens in you. Um, there's a lot of... Like you, you start having to. F- a lot of screens actually teach you to avoid things that you actually are supposed to work through, and then you can find rest. If that makes sense, like we, our culture is very avoidant of like anxiety and things like that. We're trying to find ways to deal with it, but instead of dealing with it, we avoid it. And then, like, I can't tell you how many people like that I talk to who are like, I cannot sit still. Like, the stuff in my head just gets too loud. 
it's like yeah you actually probably need to like see some, a counselor and you should probably like disconnect from your phone and it's going to be hard for a few weeks but believe it or not at the end of a few weeks your brain's going to calm down and you're going to feel a lot better and you're going to have a lot more calm and so yeah like taking a sabbath is a, a is a respite from work it is a fast from work and you might notice stuff that comes up uh, if you read richard foster's celebration of discipline he actually talks about if you if you fast you're going to notice things about yourself that you didn't know mm-hmm. like you're going to get more irritable you're going to get more frustrated and that's the stuff that's actually deep down that maybe you haven't dealt with he doesn't say that but like i'm saying that mm-hmm. <laughs> a paraphraser I don't know if he says that at all, oh, Like, okay. I, but he definitely says, like, you'll notice stuff come up. You'll be more irritable. You'll be more frustrated. And I find mm-hmm. that's actually, oh, wait, that's stuff that I have unresolved inside of me. I see. So. Mm-hmm. I just recently went, some of, some of the people in our community, you know, I recently went on a trip by myself out to a yurt on the Oregon coast, which I would highly recommend. Um, however, when I got there... I was, you know, away from everything. I was, you know, um, in a completely different city. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how anxious I was until I was in a very, like, peaceful place. It was it was in that quiet place, so that place of, like, stopping mm-hmm. that exactly what happened, Nathan, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I everything's really loud. And so it made me realize, made me realize oh, man, I need to do this more but also maybe i should you know like try to figure out how to you know have more of a healthy relationship with my mind and my emotions and you know um yeah yeah so that was more a practical thing that recently happened to me that i totally totally resonate with everything you just said nathan Mm -hmm. so yeah so so this last question that we want to talk about today um is I think a question on the back of a lot of people's minds, especially when they're first beginning to learn about the Bible, have read the the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, there's Ten Commandments like uh, do not murder, you know, don't commit adultery, those kinds of things. However, one of them is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so this question we have is, are we sinning if we don't take a Sabbath? What are your thoughts? I think the answer to this question is yes, uh, and then no, <laughs> and then yes. Okay. So do you explain? So, so why is it sinning if we don't take a Sabbath? <clears throat> One of the first times Mona and I ever got in a fight, we were dating for a couple weeks, and she. I've heard this story. And she, <laughs> so you know, we we were maybe a couple months, but she had. You know, she really likes gardening, and they, there was this ministry thing where they needed somebody on Sunday to go help some elderly people, like mm-hmm. plant some stuff. And she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm signing up for that. I'm gonna do that." And we were talking about it. Then I was like, "What are you doing on Sunday?" And like, "Oh, I'm gonna go help, um, you know, these elderly people plant some plants. It just sounds really fun." I'm like, "That's your job. Like, you're a minister. You're not supposed to be doing ministry and planting stuff with old people like on your day off." She's like. Uh, it's really restful for me. It's really good. I don't care if it's restful or not. That's not trusting the Lord. And so we like had this huge, like long, like hard knockdown. Anyway, and it's uh, 
A classic moment of a Christian being an idiot. <laughs> Way to be humble, Christian. So, um, so I get so weird on something sometimes. But you know, for me, you know, I, I, the reason why I took that so seriously back then was because why we take. Like, you know, all these Ten Commandments, they're all like, we, we value all ten of them, don't we? Like, do we, even though Jesus has come, do we worship other gods? No. Do we think it's okay to murder somebody? No. Do we think it's okay to steal? No. Like, all these things are true, and Jesus says he didn't come to do away with any of the law. So, so the first, yes. Well, clearly, Jesus values all of these laws, all these things. And he says, yes, we have to, we have to follow the commandments. Like that's why he gave it to us. So why the no, why the second no, the second no is, um, because Jesus fulfilled the law when he died, he fulfilled it. And, um, it changed the nature of what it means for us to follow the law. And, and Jesus actually says, um, in, in, uh, in Matthew, he said, in Matthew, like the, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, um, you've heard it said, um, do not murder. But I say, whoever hates his father and mother um, has sinned. Or whoever hates his brother, um, whoever says raka to his brother has committed murder in his heart. So he says, so he's saying like, you know, that actually just murdering somebody, just not murdering somebody doesn't make it okay. And mm-hmm. And in that, he really changes the whole notion of all of these laws mm-hmm. that these laws actually don't matter anymore because Jesus has a much higher standard. And with that, you know, the Sabbath now isn't about us externally obeying something like, you know, it's not about like, Oh, did I rigidly obey this day? Did I not work on the Sabbath day? Now I'm a holy person. He says, no, that, that doesn't matter anymore. It's a totally different standard. And so in that way, you know, the, you know, Paul will say, uh, he says in Colossians, don't let anybody look down upon you because you don't celebrate the Sabbath day. And meaning, you know, no work from Friday night to Saturday night. Like, you know, if you work on those days, it's like, you know, don't let a person look down on you like you're not righteous just because you're working that day. So in that sense, because of what Jesus has done and fulfilling the law and who he was and how he died and how he rose again, yeah, we don't have to follow the Sabbath day. That's a no. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last yes is, is because Jesus did reconstitute the Sabbath. And so what does it mean actually to enter, to, to be a, it's not that he says like, we aren't supposed to Sabbath anymore. Actually, he says we're supposed to have a Sabbath life. Hmm. And so here in Hebrews, I'll, I'll read this part for you in Hebrews. It says, um, so then there remains a Sabbath. This is uh, Hebrews 4, um, 9. It says, so there, so then there remains, remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from the works as God did from his. This is an interesting phrase. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest (laughs) so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, referencing the Israelites who didn't um, obey God. 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who must give an account. The main point of that whole thing there is that Jesus says, it says there, the writer saying, to we are called to come closer in relationship with God, which means that we're supposed to enter into the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest is a life walking with Jesus. And that whole thing about like he, he sees, he can perceive the difference between the joint and the marrow and the soul and the spirit is that God sees all. God sees everything. And if we don't live, you know, we, we act like we have this external life with God, but we don't have an interior one mm-hmm. marked with rest towards God. He sees that. Mm-hmm. And so actually we aren't called to a Sabbath day. We're called to a Sabbath life meaning that we are supposed to work for six days, but the way we work mm-hmm. is different than the way that the world works because we have a trust in God for everything we do. It means that we don't have a hurried pace in life. It means that we like are, are walking into meeting. It probably also means that we literally do take a day off, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that you know in that not in a legalistic sense like oh i didn't take a day off today or this week uh we need to be nervous about like that it's not a strict legalism but it is a sense of like a pace of life that we need to be different than the busyness of the, our culture around us that it says like you need to work you need to be efficient we're not called to be we're we're called instead of just instead of running after like our culture is like running after things that they don't even know they're worshiping. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even know why people in our culture are like trying to achieve. And we ask them why you're doing it. They can't really answer that question. We aren't supposed to like meaning without meaning, beat our bodies into submission, chasing something we don't understand. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to have a life of solid meaning, a measured pace dwelling richly in the Lord, which means maybe you know, your nights, your nights should be free, relational, restful. You, you should have a restful life resting in the Lord. And so that's where I would say that last yes is, is like, yes, if we don't have this Sabbath life, then we aren't walking with the Lord. We're not doing what he's intended. That's why Jesus died is that we could enter into God's presence, mm-hmm. enter into his rest in, in our whole being. I would say, um, I agree with everything Christian just said. I'll praise um, the Lord. <laughs> um, and but partly just adding on to like his last point of like, what is it to have a restful life? Like, and if you're wondering, it's like, well, do I have that restful life? I would say there's some things that I think you might like ask yourself. It's like, well, when I go out into the world, am I anxious? Mm-hmm. When like, when I think about not having taken a Sabbath day, am I nervous? When I fail to do something or when I fail to do something, am I like, oh, my gosh, God is going to judge me? It's like that's not a trusting relationship, actually. You can recognize that, like, you know what? I made a mistake. One of my favorite books is Brother Lawrence's Practice the Presence of God. And he was like, man, I, I stopped praying to the Lord. He held himself to, like, praying to the Lord constantly. He's like, man, I stopped praying to the Lord. And he was like, Lord, I'm sorry. And then he would just start talking to God again. Mm-hmm. He was like, I didn't beat myself up over it. 
um, you know, are you afraid of the things that you're going into and doing? Are you um, hostile? Are you angry towards people for not much of a reason? All of these things are things that God says are not restful, I think. Or at least when I think about myself, I'm just like, man, I'm probably not rested well. If I'm feeling frustrated, if I have these attitudes in me, and we're always going to be struggling with them, right? That's that. I'm okay with that. But are we endeavoring to better ourselves in them? Mm-hmm. You know, are we are we peace bearers? Are we peacemakers, as the Lord calls us to? Or are we simply going into the world anxious, nervous, afraid, uh, 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 being um, overly uh, aggressive and assertive in our conversations and stuff? One thing I have to think about is like. Um, being too confrontational in philosophical or big conversations. Like I need to be a person of rest. I need to make, help people feel safe. And sometimes if I'm too busy, I get anxious and I start like getting more combative in my language. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm, I, I think all of us at this table have like struggled with those things in our heart, but God is calling us to have like an attitude and like, and I understand that a lot of students that are listening to this are probably like, well, like, what if I fail my classes? Like, can you trust that the Lord is still going to take mm-hmm. care of you? That you're more valuable than the sparrow yeah. or more valuable than the lilies in the field. Yeah. And so when you get, it's like, well, I have to study. I have to study for this test. It's like, no, actually you don't notice the urgency. Notice that pace that you're being pressed at that you're pressing yourself out. That's not restful. Yeah. Yeah. And you're thinking that if I don't do this, I'm not going to be provided for. God's not going to, God isn't involved in taking care of me. Yeah. It's really kind of the attitude that you have there. Mm -hmm. And so notice these things and like, Hey, maybe you need to invest into resting, learning how to rest, which yes, is something you kind of have to make a concerted effort to do if you don't do it. It's very hard. Yeah, when I was when I was a the director of the last ministry I was at before OSU was at Skagit Valley College. I just I don't think I had a very restful life. I don't think I that was what I was doing. I would have rest days, but I don't think I was having a restful life. And I remember being on campus and I'd come across a student or come across, and it was always like, "Hey, hey, uh, Sarah," or "Hey, whoever." I'd be like. Nice to see you. Hey, could you do this thing? Like I was always thinking of achievement and always thinking about how like making sure the ministry stuff was all taken care of or making sure like, oh, oh, could you check on this for me? Or, hey, could you do me this favor and do this thing? I was always like directing people to do things. And I remember one time this one person in particular, Sarah, she had just graduated and she was on campus to say hi. And actually she had just gotten a job. So I knew she was around and she she was helping us some. Um, but I hadn't seen her for a couple weeks for some reason or whatever. And there she was. I said, Hey Sarah. And she looked at me. She was so excited to see me. Cause like I'm her pastor, you know, and she's like, Hey Christian. And I'm talking to her or I, I say, Hey, and she's like excited for me to talk to her. And I said, could you do me a favor? And she was just like, immediately you could see on her face, like, Oh, I was kind of hoping he would talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
that mindset of like what, what Nathan was talking about just right there of like, if I'm anxious, if I'm busy or if I'm doing it, it changes us. And I don't want to be a person who is always thinking about what other people can do for me instead of thinking about how can I, I want to see the person in front of me mm-hmm. and I want to be a blessing to them. And that experience really shaped me from that point on. It's like, I need to stop. I, of course, I have to ask people to do things sometimes, but I really need to first and foremost try my best to see the person in front of me first. And I want them to feel like I'm a restful person, not a person that's always ordering them around, which I'm working on still to this day. <laughs> so You're doing great, Christian. Thanks very much. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we have today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation about Sabbath. If you have any questions or topic ideas, feel free to reach out to me at Anna at OregonStateXA.com. And remember as you go into this week that God has called us into a place of rest where we can find meaning and relationship. We'll see you guys around campus. Bye.